Hello everyone. Happy Monday. It is cold once again in Chicago. And so I am wearing a onesie because it has become very cold again here. It was so nice out for a little while, but no longer. So now I'm in a onesie. Happy Monday. It's time to live like Jordan Peterson, who is our lobster daddy. How are you doing this morning, RK? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. There is my microphone. If anyone has heard that loud thing, I, uh, I got to say, I'm barely happy that we're doing these morning routines because I had to wake up at five this morning and it was so oh, easy. Oh, uh, it was easy? Because mm -hmm. Erin had to, Erin's first class started at seven. So she got up at five to get ready. First off, it was really cute because we got there at 645. And oh, um, it, it's a short drive. She just had to get ready. She wanted to make sure she was there on time. And um, I dropped her off. And there was just like a long line of chefs walking into this into this building, oh, all in like their dress, all in their like uh, white you know coats and shit like that. It, it, black caps. It was it was cute. It was it was a really it was like a conveyor belt of chefs. Well, my internet's being frozen. I hope that can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Then I'll keep talking because my maybe my internet just looks frozen because I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, pull up some some Jordan Peterson videos for us to react to, but it froze my computer screen. But as long as I'm still audible, that's all that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, ever, I'm seeing that you look cozy uh, yeah, and compliments on the, th on the thumbnail. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was a fun thumbnail to make. I'm making a lot of fun thumbnails this week for, for Jordan Peterson because he's very weird. He's very fun in a not fun way. <laughs> did you uh, did you work out today or no? No, I did not. I, I to be honest, I got out of bed um, ten minutes ago. Oh shit! I'm drenched in. So I, I I was I was didn't have a chance to shower today. That's the one thing I would have liked to have changed. But I uh, dropped Aaron off at school. I dropped Logan off at daycare because. Aww he's adorable and deserves daycare and then i came right back and i did a hit workout and i finished at 758 so um <laughs> so i didn't have a chance to shower so i'm just drenched i was even debating coming on here without headphones because i can just feel the sweat like building up in my ears <laughs> right now <laughs> so everything you're saying sounds like it's underwater <laughs> not because oh, of your microphone it could no, be and, 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 microphone no, no, it's, it doesn't actually sound like you're underwater. I was making a joke about all the sweat in my ears. Oh, about all the sweat in my ears. I get it. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Thank you. I was worried because my computer kept freezing. Um, no, you're you're fine. That's... We had very different mornings today because um, I, I mean, I woke up ten minutes ago. I I also didn't shower though, and I smell bad. So I'm going to be showering after the stream as well. So we've we've but we've got that in common. Um, I'm so looking forward to a shower. Me too. Um, I made the bed, though. Oh, you did make the bed. I didn't because Tyler and Chewie are both still in it. Chewie's being a little snuggly boy, and he's all cuddled up in the bed. Yeah, I forgot who said to make the bed every morning. I think it was Jordan Peterson. I don't know. I've been reading so many self-help books lately. I'm pretty sure Jordan Peterson says to make the bed every morning, so I guess I'll have to make the bed later. Um, yeah. After everyone's out of it. And you know what? I'm all for making the bed. I don't, I mean, it's, it's fine advice. It's, it's, it's not advice that you should pay someone a lot of money for, but it's fine advice. To be fair, I almost never make the bed because it, see, I'm this kind of person who I'm like, why would I make the bed if I'm going to sleep in it again? 
because it's so much more comfortable. Like sliding into a made bed feels so good. Does it? I mean, I just, yeah. I, I slide, but here's the thing is I take a lot of naps and I also just like randomly lay in the bed in between things. I'll be like, oh, I'm in between meetings right now. I'm going to go lay in the bed for 20 minutes. And I just like lay down all day. I, that's, I that's, that's my modes. Like I have like, I'm either working or I'm laying down doing nothing. Uh, so when I take breaks, I like to just become a lump. I just like how, uh, I just like how clean it looks. I, I, I yeah. feel I feel more organized when I do it, even though it's just a small thing. Um, it just feels like it's one thing in my life I have control over always. And uh, it does, in my opinion, it feels so much better when you climb into a made bed. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is. It just feels better. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably take a nap at some point today. So after I take the nap, I will make sure to make the bed. Yeah, give it a, give it a try. I mean, I'm also at a point where I've been doing it now for a little over a week. So it's just a habit. So I don't even think about it. It's not like it's, it's not like it's an active effort. Like I'll be thinking about everything I have to do for the day while making the bed. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Also, I forgot where I read it. I think it might've been atomic habits. So I'm quoting my cult book now. Um, and it was a really interesting point because it was talking about how we don't give ourselves a chance to be bored anymore and how that's a real problem with like, our culture oh, at this point in time we don't give ourselves a chance to be bored hmm. yeah i mean um who was it uh antibot and jess mua they did a live stream this weekend of uh some mlm like uh sales meeting thing where oh, they were going I through how to make sales on the recovering humbots channel yeah it was on the recovering humbots channel yeah and, that was um, really good and the one woman who was speaking, she was talking about how, do y'all know, like, have y'all ever just hopped in the shower and you have, and you have this great idea. And like, she was basically putting in, she, she was basically putting in an anecdotal story into something that is sort of true. It's, it's when you actually are bored, that gives your chance of mind to, that gives your mind a chance to sort of like think outside the box. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I always, I, that is true. I come up with ideas in the shower all the time. Yeah, so just spend a day in the shower and see what happens. Whole day in the shower. <laughs> Whole day in the shower. That that can be your that can be your guru routine. Yeah, that'll be my routine. Wake well. To be fair, I mean, I guess that that'll cause me to shower more because I'm a person who only showers every like three days, unless I'm working out. But that's because I have very dry skin and dry hair, so I don't need to shower as much. Uh, I sh I shower every day. I work out, but um. Like I didn't shower. I, I was just basically on the couch in my underwear all weekend. Mm -hmm. So I didn't shower. That's yeah. That's how I was basically. So I showered on Saturday. I did not shower yesterday, but I will probably shower today because I'm feeling, feeling kind of gross. So I think this week, so this week, my plan guys is to eat, exclusively no carbs or as low of carbs as possible. I have low carbs all week. I'm going to give up drinking. I don't know if Jordan Peterson gave up drinking, but I feel like he did. So I'm going to give up drinking for this week, but also because alcohol tends to have some carbs unless it's like, I think like plain vodka or something, which I do not like. Um, 
I don't know if that's accurate or not. Cause I mean, maybe he doesn't anymore, but I think it's because he had a drug addiction and that's why. Oh, well, either way. Yeah. Oh, is that way? Cause he was, Oh, well, either way I will give up drinking for this week. Um, I mean, I, I'm all for you doing it just, just to give it a try. Just, just to give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. So I will not, well, I'm going to, um, for this week until Friday, because I always have a beer on Friday night for date night. But I will, I'm going to try to have no alcohol this week and also all, as, as low carbs as possible. Uh, I ordered some groceries yesterday that'll get here today because I needed more foods that have no carbs in them to eat throughout the week. So I'm going to be making a lot of eggs and bacon, making breakfast for every meal. have eggs and Wait. bacon a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to look this up because Fox and company scared me when she said that uh, making your bed increases the mite population. I had to Google it. I, I found that article and it has since been disproven. Making the oh, bed has no man. impact on it. So you're going to, you're going to, it's yeah, I'm on AARP.org and that has been disproven. So we're good. Don't worry about mites. If you make the bed, it just says clean, it just says clean your sheet. Like that's, you're good. Oh, here I thought I was justified in not making the bed. Oh well. You are justified in not making your bed. I, I was over here freaking out that I was like giving myself mites. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're both all good then. I'm relieved because I was like, okay, maybe I should Fox stop this Compass right now. Is also relieved. <laughs> oh, Fox and Compass. I was like thinking Fox and Company. She sounds like, and I was like, man, Fox and Company sounds like a mercenary group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fox and Compass still sounds like a mercenary troop, but it's like a, a mercenary of assassins where Fox and Company is like, they're riding the elephants in the battle. <laughs> so Marie's question, is it true men don't wash their sheets when they're single? I will say as a woman who's been married for three years, I also don't wash my sheets. I mean, I obviously wash my sheets. I, I don't know <laughs> how regularly I, I should be. I, I can say I probably do it twice a month at least. That probably sounds twice gross, I know. I wash my sheets like every six months, if I remember. Oh, yeah, I, like twice I, a month. I'm really gross, though. As as I'm learning today, that I am a really gross person because I, I, you, you are like, yeah, I make my bed. Yeah, I wash my sheets every two weeks, like a good boy. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I wash, I wash them. It depends on the month. Like, if it's the winter months and I don't feel particularly gross and I'm not like sleeping in my bed when I'm sweaty. I might go a little longer. And then if it's the summer and I'm just like waking up in a pool of sweat, I'll probably wash them multiple times a week. Whoa. Dude, New Orleans summers when it's over a hundred degrees and you, like you're yeah, eight, like. True. I just like forget about washing sheets. I like forget that it's a thing that you do. Until like, I'll be going to do the laundry and then Tyler will be like, oh, we haven't washed the sheets in like a year. Hold on, let me pull it off the bed and we'll wash them now. I started washing my sheets regularly because I was dating this girl in college who complained about her ex-boyfriend who had like literally never washed his sheets. And I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to wash my sheets. I'm going to be clean. I'm a oh, catch. I need a book called <laughs> Girl, Wash Your Sheets. Then maybe I will learn how to wash my sheets. It's just so, it's like, it feels, it's like, do you ever have those like really tiny things in life that are not a big deal, but it feels like an insurmountable hurdle of getting all of your stuff done? So, like, for me, that's what washing sheets is like, where I'm like, okay, if I want to wash the sheets, I have to take them all the way off of the bed 
and then I can't get, I won't have access to taking a nap until the sheets have gone through the washer and the dryer. Then I have to do all of that. Then once they're out of the dryer, then I have to put them all the way back on the bed and the corners are so annoying to get in place. And then I will finally be able to go to sleep. Do you have the proper fit sheets? Or are your sheets too small for your bed and no, you're just forcing right it? Si they're the right size. I just get annoyed with it because I'm very clumsy. And they're just like hard to get on. I don't know. No, fair enough. <laughs> Maybe I'm just really bad at, at putting the bed together. Yeah. I mean, I'll just probably, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think when the last time I washed my, I, I washed my pillow sheets the last, the, yeah, I washed my pillow covers last time I washed my sheets, but it, like the pillow covers might be, might be moving on three weeks now. Yeah. Which is gross as fuck now that I think about it. Three weeks? That's not that long. I don't know. I'd like to get to a point where, like, I mean, I don't want to waste water either. So I don't know. It's, it's a catch-22 because I want to, I want to, like, preserve water. I don't want to be wasteful, but I also don't want to be dirty. Like, I, I, I forget to shower and just forget to do the laundry. I guess I'm saving so much water. I've been so good to the environment. Yeah. Second set of sheets is important, too. Um I don't know. I try. I try. The only thing I'm really struggling with right now, and this is going to sound so disgusting, I'm totally outing myself, but it's not because I'm gross. It's because this apartment complex is an old factory, so it's difficult to keep clean. Is uh, the windows here aren't weatherized, so I've had to deal with a lot of mold this past winter, and it's yeah. and I hate I hate mold. It's disgusting. Like I'm so excited to buy a house, and I'm so excited to once like y'all don't. I don't want to dox myself, but as soon as I move out of this apartment, I am writing every bad review possible for this place. Oh man, that's a shame. I'm sorry. It sucks so much. It's a very interesting looking apartment. So I thought maybe it would be cool. It was cool. It got it like it really went downhill once COVID hit, but it's not because of COVID. Um, it's because ownership changed and mm. new ownership sucks. Gotcha. Yeah. I will say when I was dating guys, one of my turnoffs was dirty sheets. Interesting, Marie. Well, I don't think I've ever noticed dirty sheets. I'm just one of those people that doesn't notice things being dirty. You make the sheets dirty. You are you are the one who knocks. <laughs> it's like the meme where people were like, what if humans were the virus all along? That's how, how I feel. Like I was the virus all along. I was I was You were the dirt society. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, that's the thing though. Like people like seem some people just notice things being dirty. I just don't. Like sometimes Tyler will be like, all right, for a week, our coffee table has been disgusting. Let's clean it. And I'll be like, it has. And then I'll look at it and there will be like empty beer cans all over it and like spilled salsa and stuff. And I'll be, <laughs> like, I'll be like, huh, I guess it is gross. I can't handle spilled sauce. I can't. I can, I can handle spilled food. I can't handle spilled sauce. I really like, like it's goopy. We, we did a whole week on goop. I can't handle goop. Ugh. Ugh. Like I'm like I'm a clutterer. Like if if y'all saw my kitchen table right now, you'd see I'm a clutterer. I got books everywhere. I have stamps everywhere. I have baseball caps and headphones. I know where everything is at all times because like I literally put things in the exact same spot. Like important things, every like I put my headphones yeah. in the exact same spot. I put my phone in the exact same spot. I put my wall. I put my keys always in the exact same spot, which also sucks because then when someone does like and part of the reason I think I clean for myself is because growing up when other people were cleaning in the house, uh, like my mom, for example, she would move my shit and then just the slight movement would totally throw off. I'd have no idea where any of my things are because I put them in such a specific spot. <laughs> so, 
So that I need to, sense. yeah. So I need to make sure that I do all my own cleaning. So I remember where all my things are. Cause I like to always have things for exactly, even if, even if it looks like it's a mess, I know exactly where everything is. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Definitely. I mean, my, my office is full of clutter. I have a huge pile of stuff like right here. Oh shit. I right here is a sweatshirt I've been looking for for weeks. It was in the pile of stuff next to, next to my desk. Well, that's good to know. I'll keep that in mind. I found my sweatshirt, guys. I can tell you where all all three of my hoodies are, including the one that's crumpled up on the right chair of the kitchen table. (laughs) See, I usually keep my sweatshirts on the floor next to my bed. But in this case, I put this one on the floor next to my desk. And that was just a mistake I should not have made. Katie was. I mean, Katie's like, that's how you get ants. I mean, to be fair, ants need a place to live, too. We can't can't be selfish. (laughs) Also, I feel like you don't get that many ants in the city, but sometimes you do. Yeah, you get termites. I've never gotten termites. Not not termites, cockroaches. Cockroaches are bad in New Orleans. Like even oh, the, we don't have those here. Even the cleanest houses get cockroaches. It was I was talking to this one girl who was like, she she had a boyfriend who just moved down here, and uh, he was he had like literally a tally mark uh, on his fridge, and uh, when she came over and she asked. What's that for? He was like, I'm keeping an I, I'm keeping track of every single time I spot a cockroach in here and I'm going to complain to my landlord. And she just laughed because it's just <laughs> Yeah, like you can't you can't avoid that. <laughs> yeah. Boxy yeah. Compass deals with fire ants in Texas. Yeah, but Texas is our funny impersonation of Australia. I mean, most things in Texas will kill you, including the people. <laughs> um Great. So this week, y'all, we've got so much to unpack with Jordan Peterson. He is, he is a lot. He is a lot. I have been listening. So I've been listening to his audiobook, 12 Rules for Life, while walking Chewy every day. And I'm not done with it. So I'm going to listen to it while I take Chewy on a walk after our stream today some more. But I did finish the whole section about the lobsters. And that's why today's stream is called Lobster Daddy. So we're talking about posture today. Yeah, let's uh, let's just pull up his. Uh, there's a three minute long version of his of his little. Oh, I mean, we yeah, I, just talk about it. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, I, I remember his first rule was was all about posture. He talked about how like um, it's sort of it's sort of like your position in life, and that includes your physical stature, and it sort of touches on manifestation. It's you're welcoming or uh, turning away the energy of the universe. Because when you're, when you sort of like walk with your chest out and your shoulders back, you're announcing to the universe that you're a confident person. And that just naturally brings that confident energy to you. Um, In a way I can sort of follow the logic of this because it's not, it's not just manifestation. It is along the lines of like, if you're, if you see a, if you see a person who looks confident, you assume they're confident and therefore you'll treat them differently. Um, And I can also sort of see if you see a person who's, and, and this, it goes doubly for like school. I mean, a bully's going to pick on an easy target. If a bully sees a kid who's hunched over, quiet, and and looks nervous, they're going to be an easy target. So I can see how this rule makes sense. And I also wouldn't even qualify. I, I mean, I would even just say I think it's I think it's good advice. I think it's incredibly basic. I think I know not everyone can do it, but I'm also not going to get a mad get mad at a parent who tells their kid to work on their posture and stand up straighter. Well, I was a kid who was always told to work on my posture, and then it turned out that it wasn't my fault. I just had scoliosis. Yeah, and then 
they'll stop telling you to work on your posture because there's a legitimate reason. I'm just talking about like, if you don't have that yeah, problem. No, I totally, I have, yeah, I totally agree. I think that, I think that the overall message of trying to show confidence and trying to, you know, just kind of walk through life with confidence in the way that you look physically and the way you feel emotionally. And he even said at the end of the chapter, like, you know, it's not just about physically standing up straight. It's also about like being emotionally in that mindset of someone who's carrying confidence with you. And I was like, I can get behind that because I think I'm a pretty confident person. And I think that that makes people trust me on things, which sometimes people will reach out to me and be like, Savvy, can you give me a business coaching session? I'll pay you. And I'm like, no, I'm not a coach, uh, but I'm glad I'm honored that you think that I am qualified for that kind of thing. We can work um, on your rights together, or we could just get you a coaching certificate and then you can accept those deals. I don't, but I don't want to be a business coach. You got, uh, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. You want to live a long night life. You got to become the next Tony Robbins. I try to keep myself in check so that I don't become the next Tony Robbins. Nah, you got to accept it, man. It's the um, circle of life. And then you get to have a redemption. You don't get to have a redemption story unless you fuck up. That's true. That seems like that's, that seems like some motivational advice. Whenever you make a mistake, just remember this is the first step towards your redemption arc. Well, don't forget in my coaching program, the 10, the 10 or what was the, it? The success the steps success to success. Rule, yeah. Uh, I quite, I point blank say in chapter eight, you have to hit rock bottom because every, if you want to be the protagonist of your life, you have to have a darkest night. Otherwise you're not going to have like, have your yeah, uh, if climax. You're, if your life is following a um, save the cat story structure and you hit the darkest night section, that probably means you're about three quarters of the way through your life. All I'm saying is most people see themselves as a protagonist in their life. Yeah. And then they don't want to have like the bad, bad parts of being a protagonist. So if you see yourself, if you don't want to be a protagonist in your life, congratulations, you've reached enlightenment because you accept the fact that you're not the most interesting person in the universe. If you have not gotten there yet and you still see yourself as a protagonist, go out, get addicted to hard drugs, become an alcoholic, throw your life away, ruin everything. And then you can finally reach your climax and become a good person in the, the next chapter. That's a uh, terrible advice. Don't take it. Yeah. Don't actually follow that advice. <laughs> um, but I will say that out of uh, all the insults I've seen come out in the, like, like all the insults that have started being a thing in the past few years, my favorite is when people will call someone an NPC. I feel like that is just like the best insult, like just to, just the implications of that. When someone will be like, Oh, this person is an NPC. I'm like, damn, you're just basically talking about like, this person, eliminated their agency. This <laughs> person is in no control of their life and has no overall impact on the trajectory of the world. Like that is such a that is such a hard hitting insult. If someone called me an NPC, I would genuinely be hurt by that. Well, dude, that's not even like. I mean, it's it's not even that they have no effect on the world. You're implying that they are literally there to serve you, whether it's to to like help you reach your goal or to be a unnamed opponent for you to kill with relative ease because yeah. they're not even a boss. It's a, still them serving your quest to winning the game. Like that is a horrifying yeah. insult. It's it's literally, it's a horrifying insult. And like, yeah, but I'm like that, like I I respect whoever started that trend. Like, cause that, well, you know, you can call people gen general insults. Like, oh, you are, 
Stupid, fat, and ugly. Yeah, like, whatever. Just, those are just <laughs> general insults, whatever. Like, an NPC, that is a hard-hitting insult that targets specific existential fears that we all have. Yeah, I mean, don't tell someone that's on DMT, because they'll just realize that life is a simulation and really freak out. Joseph says to let Ivy become a life coach, and I think you're onto something, because I am going to be working on a video about life coaching, and I might want to bring Ivy back for it. So maybe I will have her become a life coach. Also have her become an ordained minister. It's a great idea. I got plenty of them. But well, back yeah. to Jordan Peterson. Yeah, back to Jordan Peterson. So, I, okay. This chapter I had a lot of issues with because while he's he's uh, he's he's giving advice that is true, and I agree with the overall sentiment of being confident. The way that he talks about it is like he keeps bringing it back to this idea that, first of all, I feel like his book is targeted at men because the way that he talks is I feel like he's assuming the reader is male. I can see that because um, he talks later on about women that he's spoken to in therapy, but I, I can definitely see the book itself. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, actually, I, don't, I don't know if I can see it. Or if I can, if I see his fan base are men, are men, and then I'm taking that perception and applying it to his book. I don't know what I came think first. Based on, I think it is that his book is targeted at a male reader because when I'm listening to it, he, the way he talks about like the lobster, like he draws this whole comparison with the lobsters, and his focus is entirely on the male lobsters. Until then, he brings in the female lobsters as an example for mating. So his, I think this is why he attracts so many incels, because his advice is basically like, here is if you act more like the, the, the lobster who wins the fight, women will be attracted to you and want to have sex with you, because that's how it works in the lobster world. <laughs> so he basically, that's basically this whole chapter, he goes on about the lobsters and how when male lobsters win fights, they start to stand up straighter as lobsters. And the lobsters who lose fights are more likely to continue to lose fights in the future. And they start to like crumble in on themselves and things like that. Oh, he says it literally changes their brain activity too. Yeah. Like they, they legit become subservient to the alpha, like uh, yeah. not the alpha, but like the, the dominant lobster. <laughs> yeah. And then he talks about how like for mating, female lobsters will always only be attracted to the male lobsters who win the fights. And so the, the small group of male lobsters who win fights get to mate with all the females. And as a result, and then he like talks about that. And then he's like, this also happens in the human world. And then when he got to that, I was like, you have completely lost me. You are yeah. now basically saying that the idea that like women only want the chads, that that is true. <laughs> like what the fuck? And he goes into, into that whole thing. And I feel like at one point, I let me know if I interpreted this wrong. I feel like at one point he tried to justify rape as a serotonin deficiency. I do not recall that. So what he said was like, he said, um, he was talking about how the lobster's brain chemistry changes and all of that when they get, when they become subservient. And then he's like, in humans, when, when you're, uh, brain chemistry changes the more you get knocked down in life you start to lose serotonin and things like that and he's like 
And then people who have lost serotonin will seek out, you know, instant gratification uh, pleasures. So that might be like uh, drinking drugs, gambling, things like that. He's like, you will seek that out for instant gratification because you're lacking serotonin. And he's like, and you will have a trouble finding a sexual partner and we'll do whatever you can to get one, no matter how illegal. And I was like, what did you just say? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little like, fucked up. You like, what? Like he was like, oh, you won't have, you won't have choice among sexual partners. So you will take whatever you can get, no matter how degrading or illegal is what he said. I was like, do you need to put or illegal in there? Like, I understand that like you're saying you, you might have to settle for someone that is not your ideal person because you're no one's ideal person, which is just a very sad existence, I guess. But the idea of like, no matter how illegal, like what? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm adding the tags real quick to this video while we're talking about it. That's um, a good idea. Yeah, I don't recall that whatsoever, but it's it you're ca you're capturing his tone quite well, and he says it with absolutely no emotion, and therefore yeah. he like one thing I don't like about him is he's teaching people that you can say whatever you want as long as you don't have emotion. It's logical, exactly, because like yeah. with the I lobsters, the thing, yeah, because with the lobsters. The one thing that's really bizarre about it is even if you want to accept the lobster metaphor as canon for the human race, the fact that they, that his followers then take it as I got to be more like the lobster and dominate my peers physically completely ignores that dominance in the, like, who's the most dominant human being in the, on the planet? It's going to be, I'm sorry, do you think Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are going to beat up a gym rat? No, but I would like Joseph might be right that maybe by illegal he meant like hiring a prostitute in a state where that's not legal. I will give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that that's what he meant, but he really just said no matter how illegal. So maybe that's not what he meant. I don't know. I in my mind, I thought he meant like he, that people were going to do something non consensual. But well, I, I, I know yeah. he gets later on into the book that he talks about accepting responsibility and he does. And the one female that he talks about later on in the book uh, did have an experience uh, that she was blaming on other people. And he was talking about how uh, he couldn't just tell her to accept responsibility because that's not his job as a therapist. And he had to get her there himself herself. But uh, the idea of just accepting responsibility for everything would ultimately be freeing, which, again, I don't think I think I think in that circumstance, since you're doing a one on one therapy is horrible. Um, but then what do I know? I'm not a therapist. Um, but what I will say is the idea of general advice. I think the general advice of accepting responsibility for everything will lead to a healthier existence than the general advice of accept responsibility for nothing. Because I think that ultimately, if you do sort of like that Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man, if you go all out in one direction, it's better to go all out in the direction of accept responsibility for everything the same way it's better to go all out in the saying yes for everything because then once you start sort of adding it to your own life and making it more personal for you, um, you're improvising from a position of, I don't wanna say power, but just in a, a better position that, than a more reactive position of saying no to everything or not taking responsibility for anything. Yeah, I think that's I think that's understandable. I think that's understandable. I'm uh, not I, I'm still in like the beginning chapters of the book because it's really long, dude. He just he he's well, he overwrites. You know, he writes too much. Like in the I think he's someone who just has studied a lot of things in his life and just gets excited, but doesn't show excitement because if you show excitement, that means you're not logical. So he just very like 
monotonely talks about literally everything he can think of that connects to something. So like when he talks about the lobsters, he then just like goes on about animal hierarchies for a while. And then I was like, this chapter is about standing up straight, right? Like, and he just goes on. It's, it's for like it's for like an hour. He goes on about all these different things. I'm like, dude. Also, though, I think that he's like, he seems to have this idea in his head, based on what he said about the lobsters, and then what he said comparing it to human interaction. He seems to have this idea that women seek out dominant men, and that men women compete with each other to have the most dominant man and the most dominant men will get the most options for women. And it just seems like he seems to think that's true in humans. And that's just very weird to me because one, I don't like dominant men. I think that's it. That's like, I am not attracted to them at all. And two, like lesbians are a thing. I think he's unaware of lesbians as a, as a concept. Um, Which I gotta say, it's like, so I accept the fact that in some in some of these rules, like the posture, for example, if someone had an issue with like scoliosis, I would say that's more of an exception to the rule, not not um, not a delegitimized like a, a attempt to, to sort of like say the rule is wrong. Lesbians, uh, like the LGBT population, that's actually that like I know it's a minority, but that's still a large portion of the population. Yeah, I would say that's not. It's like not an exception. Like, like it's. I'd say exception to the rule as if like, like having a your spine all twisted, I feel like is enough of an exception to the rule that it's fair he didn't think of it. Exactly. But, but Being gay, that's a large like, population. Yeah, in terms of people who have relationships with the same gender or even just like in terms of people who, like there's like the concept of trans people, he just completely doesn't even address. He, I don't think he thinks about it. The idea that like, or just even the idea that like, some women like to be the dominant one in a relationship or the fact that some people don't just don't think in that dynamic. And I know that from his perspective, they probably do think that way because he thinks he understands the human brain so well because he has a psychology degree. Um, but I don't know. It just seems like, yeah, like he is like just unaware of the concept that like, no, some women are exclusively seeking out other women. And if your whole thing about men being dominant is a thing, well, then... I don't know, but there used to be this whole, like back in the back in the like seventies, there used to be this whole like idea that within lesbian relationships, one of the women would take on the masculine and dominant role, or something, which is not true. Like I guess some relationships could be like that, but yeah. Here's my question on on a man that we know nothing about except for what he wrote in his book and a couple interviews. Um, do you think? One, do you think everything he's saying right now is a legitimate belief or do you think he's chasing money? And two, do you think he is um, done learning? Because I definitely see some of the most more, I don't want to say dangerous, but um, seductive minds and seductive lines of thinking uh, coming from people who achieve a higher degree and then ultimately say, I'm done learning and now I'm going yeah. to present myself as an expert and um, I'm, I'm, I'm done accepting new information because... I basically, I guess all I'm trying to say to sum up my point, because I'm horrible at making points, is I have a lot more respect for people who achieve higher levels of learning only to realize they know jack shit and then are constantly searching for new information. Like, I think education should be a truly humbling, well, I think everything should be a truly humbling experience, but especially education, because yeah. the more I learn, the less I know. 
I think that's important too. Yeah, I think there will be times that somebody becomes an expert in one thing and thinks that they are now the expert at everything or thinks that they don't need to learn anything more. I haven't seen any, like, I haven't been watching his, like, recent stuff or anything, which maybe we can take a look at to see if he is still learning or not. But he he does seem pretty set. Like, from everything he says, he seems pretty set, as in, like, I know this, I am an expert in this, listen to me as the authority. Which I get that people are paying uh, for his book, and I get that people, you know, like to listen to his lectures and things like that. And it's fine to be an expert in one field, but it really does seem like he's not that open to new ideas, especially like when people have tried to debate him and things like that. He seems kind of like when someone brings up a point he's never considered, he seems kind of like closed off to it. Yeah. And his first response I saw in one of his interviews is to basically just say uh, that they're not accepting his point instead of like he, 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 he does the back and forth. And I'm not saying that the people that he debates are then in the right, just because he's in the wrong. Like it's possible to have two people making a wrong, which is another Yeah, like people watch this debate, yeah. <laughs> someone mentioned he has a debate with, I forget her name now, uh, but it's, we, we will watch it on this channel because it's a, a great example of both of them being wrong the whole time. Like she does a terrible job debating him. She keeps misrepresenting all of his arguments. It was like, it was painful for me to listen to because I was like, oh, this straw man is alive and well in this debate. And it was it was a shame. But also the stuff he was saying was like absolutely absurd and outlandish. But she was doing such a terrible job of addressing and refuting it to the point where I was like, this is just an example of a conversation where both of you are so wrong. And then people in the comments are arguing about who won the debate and stuff like like neither of them. This was they both hot, lost. This was a hot mess of a conversation. And yeah, like, like, we watch Jordan Peterson, not Jordan Peterson, Jordan Jordan Belfort and Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone debate each other. I'm like, this is this is an example of both of you are terrible and bad people. But everyone in the comments is like, oh, this one won. This one's like, no, dude, they're both bad. Yeah, but I think I'd sadly trust Jordan Belfort with money. Like, with if I have $5 in my pocket and I'm asking someone oh, yeah. to run and get me a Subway sandwich, I'm asking Jordan Belfort before I ask Grant Cardone. Yes, I think, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's a chance that if I order a $5 footlong with Jordan Belfort, I'll get a pack of chips, but at least I get a pack of chips. If I order a $5 footlong with Grant Cardone, I'm probably getting stranded on a desert island somehow. I just, like, get knocked out and wake up feeling groggy and I'm missing a kidney. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he says Peterson doesn't appear or sound open to learning anything. He's going to talk quietly about about until a person is confused by his circular logic. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is he does like like what RK was saying. He likes to talk in a a voice that's monotone and even to sound to so that it sounds like what he's saying is completely logical. Yeah, I think he's very smart at understanding who likes him and he's smart at energizing that crowd and playing to them if you are talking to him they sense from what i've gathered and i could be completely wrong but just based on who they view as the godfather of intelligence uh i think that they sense emotion as weakness when emotion i mean i don't know this might be a shitty metaphor but that's like saying fire is weakness like just because it can go out of control and burn your house down doesn't mean it's not a necessity So I, I don't know, again, he makes, like I read that book, but, uh, but like literally every book I've read has made good points. Even Grant Cardone, 
even Dan Crenshaw, like uh, his book, which going back to what you were talking about before with the two people debating, um, even Dan Crenshaw, who I think supported the Capitol riots from what I gathered and is a horrible person. Uh, he He makes good points in his book where he says it's better to stand for something than against something. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's infinite. I think it's an infinitely more powerful argument to stand for something than against something. And we see that with the debate of Jordan Peterson and that woman where they both are just standing against each other and making no points. Yeah, I think, okay, so here's, whoa, sorry, a fucking ad starts playing. Okay, so here is a video called Jordan Peterson Stumps Feminist in all caps. So we know that this is going to be... You know who's going to click on that video? People who already agree with every, like, people who are only what People click on that video to see a woman be stupid, not to see Jordan Peterson be smart. I think this, I want to, this is the debate I want to watch in full. I forgot what, oh, Kathy Newman, that's her name. I want to watch this. I want us to watch and respond to this debate in full if we can, because this is an example of everyone's wrong. Um, but this is a one minute clip of Jordan Peterson stumping a feminist, apparently. In honor of Jordan Peterson, too. I am barefoot. Show, showing your feet pics. Showing my feet pics, y'all. You can uh, you can cash app us for those feet pics. <laughs> you cited freedom of speech in that. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's been rather uncomfortable. That's his meme. That's oh, I'm, his quote. I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> this, is, this is an example of like, she's doing it like, this is an example of two people just being terrible. Like, Dude, this this clip was so big that little literally charisma on demand or whatever his name is on on YouTube oh, used yeah. this clip to compliment Jordan Peterson's ability to handle pressure. Yeah, that, like he did handle it really well right there. Like what he's saying is stupid, but what she was saying is also stupid. Like why fra- frame the argument that way? That is such an easy argument to refute. Anyway, well, I'm great. But, but, no, but you get my point. You get my point. It's like you're you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what the hell's going on. And that is what you should do. But you're exercising your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me. And that's fine. I think more power to you as far as I'm concerned. So you haven't sat there and... I'm just trying trying to work that out. I mean... The music. The music. It's edited so so they know. Somebody fucking edited this. Jordan Peterson stumps feminist. Good Lord. Yeah, um, what Andrea says here, that Kathy Newman interview was the best thing that could have happened to Peterson because it gave him the halo effect. Oh, that Kathy Newman interview was the equivalent of Ben Shapiro going on college campuses and getting Thug Life Shapiro on 18-year-olds studying gender studies. Like, they they thought they 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 did everything. Yeah, where someone, someone brings up, like, trans rights and Ben's just like, facts don't care about your feelings and everyone in the audience is like, yeah! She was making a stupid argument to begin with, and then Jordan Peterson had a, a a very charismatic response. When at the end of the day, he's really just trying to, like the the impact he's trying to have is to be like, 
guys, I don't respect other people and that's okay because of this. But so the you, way she framed it is like, why should your freedom of speech, like freedom of speech, that's not even what freedom of speech is. Freedom of speech is a, like a legal thing. I was going to say, not every country has freedom of speech. Not either. every country has freedom of speech. Um, in the UK, they don't have the same type of freedom of speech we have in the US. Much harsher libel laws too. Yeah. So not every country has freedom of speech. And freedom of speech is also not freedom from people thinking you're a dick. And so Jordan Peterson has no one's ever come for his freedom of speech. It's just that people think he's a dick, which is valid because he acts like a dick. Yeah. And uh, I think you touched on a really good point because we talk about pretty privilege a lot on this podcast. But when you said charisma, I think that really rang home. It's well, well I think ultimately what pretty privilege is, is it, it, it's acts, charisma yeah. is the golden ticket. Because if you have charisma, you can do just about anything. If you have charisma, you can lead a country to war. Um, and I think being pretty might access that charisma a little faster or have an easier route to that charisma. But it is anyone can be charismatic and ultimately yeah, achieve Yeah, because Jordan Peterson is not pretty. I'm not saying that's a hate on him, but he's just, I, I would not consider him an attractive person. I could see someone considering him an attractive person, but I could also, like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's objectively pretty. No, and that's nothing against his appearance, but it's like, I don't think he's got, like, the, the pretty privilege that we talk about, you know? But I also don't think he's ugly. So I, th I think that is, I think that he does have an easy road to that charisma or an easier road to that charisma. Like, like he, he's, he's a, he's, He's a skinny dude with a pretty symmetrical face. Um, if he's just sort of sitting there quietly, I don't know how many people stop and say you're pretty, but I also know people don't stop and say you're ugly. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, it's just that whole, I, we gotta do that. We gotta look at that whole debate at some point, just cause it's such a mess. It's such a mess of him talking about like male dominance and things like that and then her trying to refute it, but saying trying to refute it in the stupidest possible way, like it's was really, this his book tour too? It might have been. This was yeah. just, it was just really frustrating to watch. And then all the clips came out, yeah, like Jordan Peterson totally owns this feminist cuck, and all. It's like, oh my god. I do think that that's actually interesting. I think the fastest way to become famous on the internet right now would be if you just made like. 12 YouTube accounts, maybe more, and just made highly edited videos of you dunking on, on someone that's on a political, that's in a political tribe with those, with funny music and, and turn yourself into a meme. I, I think you could blow up. Dude, we should do that. We should turn ourselves into, we should make a little podcast clips channel where we, uh, or no, we should, we should make it look like someone else did it. Like you said, and like, yeah, make a little, like make us dunking on people, turn it into a meme. You know what's really wild, too? I saw with the Stacey Dash trending thing. This has nothing to do with Jordan Peterson now. Oh. It seems like someone on the left having a come-to-Jesus moment and going to the right is welcome with open arms. And they're like, see, we were right all along. We're luring your tribe over. We're winning. And then someone on the right has a come-to-Jesus moment. It comes to the left. They get instantly rejected and ostracized. Yeah, I have noticed that. And I think that is, yeah, I think that's a bad move. Uh, not, not, I'm not going to say on the part of the left because the left is not one person. One person. It's, it's yeah. a collection of individuals who I'm are. I'm basing this on Twitter trends. <laughs> yeah, but based on what I see from, I guess if we're talking about like Twitter leftists, Twitter leftists for the most part, I have noticed, like I'm talking about like, hardcore leftists, like hot girls who pose with the communist manifesto, 
like those type of Twitter leftists will welcome anyone. And um, but if if we're uh, talking about like everyday uh, corporate liberals on Twitter, no, they will not. They'll be like, they'll be like, oh, you you liked a Trump tweet five years ago? No, I don't want anything to do with you. You're canceled. Bye. And so yes, I think that, and I think that's a huge problem. Like when people were like, people were like, uh, Joe Rogan is a socialist. We don't want Joe Rogan. It's like, why don't you want Joe Rogan? He has a huge audience. He's the most influential entertainer. You don't have to like him as a person, but like, isn't the goal of voting for your candidate to win? So wouldn't you want more people to support them? Like, that's what doesn't compute in my head. I think that the best way to make money and manipulate people, and this is what's going to ultimately get our show destroyed in about eight months, is I think that if you can build up a good audience online of loyal liberal supporters and then you betray them and you come out super hardcore right. I, th- I think if you followed the Dave Rubin approach, I think you make a lot of money. Well, I guess we can uh, turn into right-wingers in a couple months to make I'm money. good. I'm good. I'm just going to become a, a crypto millionaire and, and leave the <laughs> internet. <laughs> Don't leave the internet. You can't leave, you can't leave me hanging. Don't I'll leave. never leave this channel. Never I'll just leave, leave this everything channel. else. You just leave the internet everywhere else. That's it's always fine. the tankies. They hate when the right flips end up ostracizing them. Yeah. Fox and Compass is very insightful, y'all. Y'all should check out her channel. Her channel's great, yeah. And I think that's that that's true. It's very it's just very frustrating. Or or when like candidates for Demo- the Democratic nominee would like go do an interview on Ben Shapiro's show and people would be like, uh they were on Ben Shapiro's show. Why would they even give him the time of day? And it's like, well, because he does have an audience of dedicated followers. And if they can get cats. If yeah. you can get his followers interested in you, then you have more people on your side. Like, how does how is that not obvious? I don't understand people who get mad about that. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how attention is like the most important thing in the world, but then people can get uh, condemned for the wrong attention. I remember when Andrew Yang went on Ben Shapiro's show, afterwards a lot of Ben Shapiro fans started to support him. And I thought that was cool, except then people were like, oh, we should hate Andrew Yang because he has Ben Shapiro fans as some of his supporters. And I'm like, what the fuck, guys? Calm down! (laughs) I hate that we just secured like 10,000 more votes. This sucks! Calm down! (laughs) Right? It's like, it's like, oh, if this person likes this thing and this person likes this other thing, then I can't like this thing because then I am the same as that person. And it's like, you know what? Like, I bet Donald Trump drinks water and then you drink water. So now you're literally Donald Trump. Like, what? The- I don't think he does, though, because like, I think he's too paranoid. Like, I mean, he probably drinks bottled water, but like, this is the guy who eats McDonald's every day because he's terrified of having his food prepared because he thinks he's going to be poisoned. So I well, don't know. That means that everyone who eats McDonald's is also literally Trump now. Trump likes McDonald's and you like McDonald's. It's not you can't like McDonald's because Trump like like that's so stupid. Why would people do that with other things, too? I don't get it. Yeah, I um. And and that just goes back to the point earlier on the show of, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's better or worse for a debate, but I mean just ultimately to live through life, it's it's you're going to be in much more of a confident position if you're standing for something and not against something. I would 
agree with that. I tend to try to stand for things. There are things I am against, but I think if the, the things I'm against are generally in the context of being for something that the thing I'm against is standing in the way of. Well, if you're for human rights, then you're obviously going to be against certain things, but you're not standing right. against them. You're standing for something, and then you're and then there is a, a force that's directly opposing that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that the, I mean, I would agree that standing. Yeah, I think that that's good advice. Actually, stand for something because it helps you. Like every time you get mad at someone or you have a conflict, it helps you reframe it in your mind as, okay, what is my end goal here? Is my end goal to destroy the, this ideology or this person, or is my end goal to support an ideology that they are getting in the way of? And that I think that keeps you more focused. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just you're going to see more change then as well. Because again, if you stand against something and you get your way and you destroy the thing you're against, but you weren't standing for something, it's like, okay, great. Now what do we build? Like, yeah. Like, it, we sort of, uh, if y'all want to watch something fascinating, Age of Samurai on, on Netflix, um, when Hideyashi became shogun of Japan, um, he unified Japan faster than anyone thought possible. And all of a sudden, he had these, these daimyo who were bored and there was no more fighting. And these were people who were literally fighting for almost a century nonstop. And since there was nothing else to do, because the only thing that they were, that they had to do was, was unify Japan. He made this horrible mistake of trying to invade China through Korea. And it cost him tens of thousands of soldiers and the respect of all of the, uh, the daimyos in the West, North and East. So, <laughs> because once the fighting ended, because he only was standing against clans on his path to become, uh, to unify Japan, there was nothing to build afterwards. And then what we ultimately saw after Ieyasu, Ayasu took over, um, and we they entered a true era of peace because it was pursuing peace and standing for peace. It entered this golden age of samurai that were no longer focusing on fighting and instead focusing on this is where we get the beautiful uh, Bushido teachings, um, the philosophy of what it means to be a servant, to be a samurai, uh, and, and the more spiritual elements of the warrior. So standing for something got you something that's truly beautiful and lasted, the and lasted all of time. Something, standing against something led you to a war that you couldn't win. I think that's a great example. Yeah, I love that. I, so I check out Age of Samurai. I it's think, on that. Yeah, stand for something and not against them. I'm going to keep that always in mind because when I'm standing like, yeah, like when I, when I stand against MLM companies, it's because I am standing for, you know, small businesses and I'm standing for ethical um, business practices. And at the end of the day, that that's what keeps it like when I've talked to other people about this, I think sometimes a lot of people who are, who are socialists are against, are not against the anti they're in the anti MLM mindset, but they don't always agree with the goals of the movement because it sometimes seems like it glorifies minimum wage work or nine to five work because at least it's not a pyramid scheme. But if you keep the the goal of what you're standing for is ethical businesses and you know the rights of the employees and things like that, then it leads you to this greater goal of like, no, I think it's important to you know, look at the way that, that businesses treat employees right now. And it, it leads you to a greater goal in that kind of thing. 
Yeah, all, I mean, exactly. Don't like don't don't be fooled or manipulate the conversation saying that if you're anti in anti MLM, you're only standing against MLMs. That's just not true. It's a it's a hotly searched term, and it's a community that has a nice banner. So you shouldn't change that. You can be in that community and stand for small businesses and supporting small businesses. And because right. MLMs manipulate that and create a uh, um, and and just completely exploit their workers, they're a natural antithesis to the forces that you're trying to support. And therefore, of course, you're opposing them. But you're not. Right. You don't exist solely to oppose them. You exist for something else. Yeah. So like, yeah, exactly. Uh, the reason I started making these videos is that I am pro small business is that, you know, I am a small business owner and I care about um, small businesses being able to thrive in this world. And you just, you see, you see big companies preying on people's desire to be an entrepreneur. And so, yeah, I, but I'm gonna, I think you're right. I'm going to try to frame, like when I make some more videos in like in upcoming weeks, I'm going to see if I can, try to frame it in like the pro small business way. You know who does it beautifully? I think Monica Hayworth is fantastic with Dude, it because she's, she's so, because she talks about like she, and she has such a specific example. She has a CBD business. MLMs have a CBD business. She is an expert in her field. They are trying to like, they are literally yeah. coming to her for advice at conventions and fairs to understand the products that they are selling. I think Mon I think everyone should subscribe to Monica. Yeah, Hayward. I'm going to pull brilliant. up Monica's channel. Cause dude, her channel is so good and she needs some love. Oh God, I we didn't work on my posture. I was hunching over while talking and no lobsters are going to take me seriously. <laughs> now I'm like, need to crack my back. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, everyone subscribe to Monica Hayworth. She is awesome and has she just did a really amazing series on Nexium, the cult. Yeah, and she has pink hair and she's cooler than all of us. So, you know, y'all yeah. subscribe to her. She's super cool. Um, yeah. Anything else on Mr. 12? Did you, so you're still just on chapter chapter one then? No, I finished. I'm on chapter two, which I've already forgotten. Oh, the, the rule is take care of yourself like you take care of others. He had one quote in this chapter that I'm going to take with me because I think it's important, which is your pet loves you and would be happier if you took your medication. When he yeah. said that, I was like, I bet Chewy is happier when I take my medication. And that's going to remind me to take my medication because I'm like, if I don't, Chewy won't like the fact that I am a less functional human. But that was also based, in fact, on humans, not lobsters. That I like because this whole chapter he's talking about, like you know, sometimes humans, because we don't, we we prioritize other people. It's like natural for us to want to take care of other people. So if our pet or our kid or our loved one needs a surgery or gets a medication, we will really make sure and care about and monitor and make sure they're doing it. Because otherwise, you know, why why did we even pay for the surgery or why do we even do whatever and but it's like when it's ourselves, sometimes we'll just forget these things because we don't like to prioritize our own health. And I'm like, that is interesting. I've definitely forgotten to take my medication, but like when Chewie's got like his little, one. when Chewie gets his, got his foot surgery a while back and things like that, I always was giving him his medication no matter how much he hated it. Cause I was like, got, I gotta take care of this little buddy here. Yeah, it's the whole, I like this. I like this, this um, analogy Fox and Compass came up with, like to put your oxygen mask on first, like when you're on the airplane. And I say, you got to put your mask on before you help other people, because, you know, if you suffocate, then you can't help the other person at all. 
Yeah, and uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People has, has a similar metaphor on the on the uh, the goose with the golden egg of you know it's it's not just you know don't <laughs> the moral of the story is not just don't murder the goose it's also take care of the goose and nurture the goose because once you and and by definition then you also have to take care of yourself otherwise you won't be able to spend that gold so take care of yourself take care of the goose and take care of the golden egg don't yeah, neglect exactly. yeah, don't neglect any aspect of of your life. I like so, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so I'm like partway through that chapter right now, and he's off on some tangent again. So I which, don't. I, <laughs> if this like, was 12 blog posts of how to live your life, and it was just one metaphor each, I might have actually been a fan. Yeah. But instead, he's just, he goes on forever, dude. Um, Post landing the videos would paint you as a monster for putting your mask on first or best, uh, oh, worst case scenario, uh, or best case, make a hero of that one person who didn't. So yes, take care of yourselves despite what society says. Also morning, just hopping on. How's it going? Hey, Eva. Yeah, um, I don't know where he's at in this chapter right now. I mean, I'm going to listen to more of it while I walk Chewy in a little bit. So for everyone listening, y'all get the Libby app if you don't have it already and you, you do have access to it. Get the Hoopla app if you can't get the Libby app and you want to try that. Uh, if you can't get either and you don't have any access to library apps, just support your local libraries through this pandemic and see if they have the books because I don't know where I'd be through this pandemic without my library. I <laughs> have definitely been able to take some chances on some, some interesting books and reading a lot of self-help books because of it. Yeah, when it comes to audiobooks, I pretty much I pretty much exclusively listen to nonfiction on audiobook. Because for some reason, like I like to read fiction with my eyes, but nonfiction I like to listen to in my ears. I don't know why that is. Maybe it separates them. Because I do read nonfiction, but I, I prefer to listen to it. I don't know why. I wonder what the ideal proportion is for reading fiction to nonfiction, because I feel like I have gotten a little nonfiction dominant lately. I definitely have. I've been reading, well, one, because we're doing this. So we've been reading a lot of self-help and business books for this. But then on top of that, um, you know, I just did the Ponzi-nomics review. So I was just reading that. I read the book, The Cult of Trump, a little while ago to do the the video on his Trump occult leader and that kind of thing. Um, and then last night I sat down and tried to read some fiction and I just kept getting so easily distracted. Um, like reading this, but like this doesn't make sense. Like this... How does this happen? What? This wouldn't happen in real life, even though this is like fantasy. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm too much in the nonfiction mindset right now. <laughs> well, I loved your point because it felt like it was one of those points from extreme self-awareness where you talked about why adults tend to prefer nonfiction because yeah. our days are so busy that we need to feel like every decision we make has a return on investment outside of just purely entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. So we feel like, oh, we're sitting down and reading a book. Oh, man, well, I might as well be just watching TV at that point, or I might as well just be going to sleep. Like, reading a book, reading a book for fun has no value. Like, yes, it does. It's fun. But I think a lot of times when we get into the mindset of being really productive adults, like, something just for fun, like, you forget that you are supposed to do things just because you like them and no other reason. And you can also learn, I mean, Amy made a great point to me as well, where you learn, so I love nonfiction for it's like philosophy behind the books. It's very direct in, in, in how it, you think when you're reading it. Um, fiction 
shows the methods of thinking a little better because obviously the show don't tell rule is dominant in fiction. Um, and it also shows you, which is why I think it's so important to read international fiction. It shows you way of life in fiction. Um, yeah. I, I got a lot out of life in Japan by reading Murakami. Everyone should check out yeah, Murakami. Yeah, yeah read, read more translated uh, fiction, uh, everyone. You'll, you'll learn a lot about ways of life in other countries because I do think that's one issue with entertainment as a whole. Um, not to take shots at entertainment. So maybe it's not entertainment, it's, it's, it's consumption habits within entertainment. It's very American centric. I mean, we saw what just a little nibble of international taste can do with, uh, with the rise of BTS and the rise of, um, of the Latin music channels on, on Spotify. Uh, just, so yeah. I, I think expanding that beyond uh, foreign films, when those, like Roma, when those finally come to the States and completely take over, uh, con consuming that international uh, creativity is, is very important for our development as creatives and just overall thinkers. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes sometimes I have trouble, like I want to read more international fiction and things like that. I'm a person who needs to be told things in direct words though. So like when I'm reading something and it's like, it'll be treating something as a given, like a cultural given because, you know, that culture would already understand that. I get a little confused because I'm like, and I'm not good at inferring things. Like, I just can't do it. It makes communication very difficult because people will imply things and I have no idea they implied something. Uh, so that's that's the trouble I have a little bit, but I want to get better at that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the yeah, I, I got distracted by Brianna's message too of reading textbooks destroying her attention span. I've been there. Oh, yeah. That's, I had a reading slump for all of high school and all of college. It was eight years of a reading slump I went through because... I was like, we read so many books for school. We had to read so many things for classes all the time. And it just got to the point where I was like, I just felt like reading was an obligation rather than something fun. And then after college, I was like, I'm gonna pick up a book for fun. And I did, and I was like, whoa, just reading this book with no deadline of what I have to have it done by and just like nothing I have to memorize from it. I can just read it and not have any pressure on me. I was like, this is why I like reading. I remember now. Also, uh, that's an interesting point, Ginger, on, on escapism for, for presidents. I mean, go, going from four years of nonfiction to four years of fiction for the escapism, it's a major pendulum swing. Yeah, I guess yeah, you're fascinating. I'm fascinating? Yeah, you're fascinating. I think you're fascinating too. I fast on you. <laughs> What's uh, up, Cat Benson? I think what Eva's saying is true. Reading, you read more fiction when you're not in school. I think that's definitely true because you like you start to associate the action of reading with something that you have to do. It's like becomes like, uh, looking at words with my eyes and interpreting them in my brain is work. You start to see it as work rather than fun. Dude, going back to that DLT conference, it was a DLT, uh, the, 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 the therapy that we talked about last week. Oh, I don't remember. Um, going back to that, the, 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 the young woman who came out, I'm going to go take a look at her, her Instagram just so I can. Oh, I think it's, D oh, DBT. 
DBT. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, the the whole conversation of DBT really shows that, like, the semantic. First off, applying that to to the posture thing, I can see how that makes sense because it's a small action that can trigger other responses within your within your logic and your emotions. Um, sort of the same way of like a slight Mona Lisa smile does, as 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 she said. Um, but then the semantics of things, like language. Uh, instead of having reading being a chore, having reading being a luxury and how that affects how we view it um, and then therefore affects our actions towards it. Or having, instead of having reading being a luxury, have reading being an opportunity to, to like uh, apply mental fitness. And then we start treating it the same way we work out. Uh, it's, it's interesting how, the, how like our mental semantics can affect our actions. Yeah, exactly. Um... See, Eva's talking about reading more poetry now that died for the writer's motivations doesn't steal from the poem so much as it can from fiction. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess because when you read poetry, you have to read it a little bit analytically because a lot of times poetry isn't going to say what it means in face value. It's going to have a little bit more you know, language that you have to interpret and think about. That's why I'm bad at poetry. I'm bad at reading it. I'm bad at writing it because I'm bad at understanding things. Oh, Sarah found so much value in your writing sleep. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad to hear that. I love hosting those. And I'm so glad that like people have been coming to them a lot and things like that. They're, they're a lot of fun. And I've got so much to get done during them usually. So I have a good time. I have this pandemic has, well, one thing it has helped me with is finding ways to work on things with other people all the time. Because all the time. I, I, I really struggle to work by myself ever. So when people are doing streams where they're like, here's some productivity sprints, when we do the writing sleepover, when we do this show in the morning, like I am motivated to do things because I am motivated by the fact that I have someone to do them with and I can gain energy from the other person. Yeah, and Gray motivated me because I realized something about Instagram too, that if y'all wanna grow on Instagram a little bit, one, stories are obviously important for impressions. And two, if you want to rely on stories for impressions, you got to go live more because what lot going live does, I just saw. So first off, I saw it anecdotally, Gray went live and MVP, who is the manager for Bobby Lashley in the WWE, who's the current WWE heavyweight champion of the world, hopped on Gray's live because he's a fan of his music. Oh, anecdotally, cool. that's so fucking cool. Oh, that's super cool. Uh, analytically, what that does is when you go live, it actually pushes your profile all the way over to the left. So you're one of the first stories that anyone following you sees. So oh, it is. So it is important now that I'm looking at this and it's something that I have not been doing. I have been neglecting and I'm sure every, most people on here have been neglecting uh, to try and integrate more live stories on Instagram. If Instagram is a platform that you're actively trying to grow on, I'm trying to grow on it so I can just get, get a following cash out on a shit ton of money and disappear from the internet. So help me. Um, you want to get a lot of followers and then sell your profile to a brand to advertise oh, on? God, I'd love that. If I could sell my pro, if I could like make the Nike author profile, just do it. And then like leave the internet. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Ugh, no, that's not me. I love being on the internet. I don't think I'll ever leave the internet. I need, I need constant attention and human interaction to a point where I could never leave the internet or I'd be miserable. 
which is why we work so well together because we attract the two people that can relate. There's a lot of people who are on the internet who fucking hate it, like me, and they want to like bitch about this addiction that they have to one another instead of actually addressing it. Not a serious addiction, guys. Not taking shots that anyone needs help. Just talking about the internet, having a joke. And then there's people who fully accept the fact that they are actively seeking attention and want more of it, like you. Yeah, I I have been, I've admitted for a long time now that I am addicted to attention and have been my entire life. And attention is the, like, that's the only thing that motivates me at the end of the day. Like if I bring, like if I boil it down to like what motivates me, like I don't really care about being super rich. I don't care about making a ton of money. I just want, if I know that I can get a lot of attention constantly, I will do the thing that gives me attention. Not, I won't take it too far though. Like I think some people seek out attention at the expense of other people or like will do crazy things on the internet that hurt themselves or others. So I wouldn't go that far, but I would say that attention is the, the greatest motivator for me. Absolutely. And the fact that attention is a direct currency at this point in time that you can track so easily. Um, I, I would argue it's not the worst motivator in the world um, because it does offer some gratification and it does offer a direct link to how you can acquire more of it with all the analytical tools. Trying to pull up this video about lobsters, but instead it keeps giving me ads. Okay, no more ads. Here we go. Let's see if this video is good at all. And I think I'm going to take off in five minutes, 9:20. Oh, okay. No, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I just got I just got a message from a client. That's all. So I, no, I, I actually we'll watch the lobster video tomorrow then because uh, I don't even know if it's good. Anyway, I'm gonna probably head off too because I gotta go walk Chewy and listen to more of this book. But guys, thank you all so much for being here this morning. I appreciate that everyone has found our new channel and is watching on our new channel. We are working in a process of making some merch. So uh, stay tuned for some merch stuff. I'm excited to get beanies that say 10X Me Daddy. Um, that's going to be pretty awesome. Also, we're, getting, we're doing sweatshirts and our sweatshirts are in the mail to us right now. So hopefully we'll have those soon to show off. Uh, but I'm really excited for all that. Thank you guys all for being here. We will see you tomorrow morning at the same time, 8 a.m. Central, 9 Eastern. Uh, oh, I have a video premiering on my main channel on Savvy Race Books. I have a video about the royal family premiering at 11 in an hour and 45 minutes. So if you want to uh, hang out with me in the chat there, uh, then that'll be good. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for this morning. Thanks for joining us today. My last uh, comment is if anyone here listens to the podcast version of this or doesn't listen to the podcast version of this but wants to support the channel for free, but swear we're not asking for money. When merch comes, if you want to buy merch, feel free. But want to support the channel for free, go to Apple Podcasts, look up Your Morning Guru, leave a five-star review, um, talk about how you want to be 10x or shit like that. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh vote for forever home friends in the fedex small business grant contest it's a new day you can vote a second or third or fourth or fifth time all right friends we'll see you tomorrow